Welcome to Elite Six, you're with Danny the Heck. Another Elite Six member interview. Today's interview is with Matt James, who is a business consultant. Would that be correct? Yes, that would be do, yes. That's not bad. And whereabouts do you live currently at the moment? I live in Pegasus, North Canterbury. We won't hold that against you unless you no, live no. in Rangio. It's a lovely place. Yes. So I've got 12 questions. I'm going to get straight into it. The first question... Now, just remember, I'm not good at reading these, and I think I need glasses because I turned 50 recently. What would you rather do, accounting, marketing, planning, customer service, or admin? Planning. Definitely planning. Planning. I like putting a big picture together and making it deliverable, yeah. Hmm. And the fact that your wife is a, an accountant. accountant. So I've outsourced that, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's brilliant. Yeah. I like that. All right, question number two. Uh, are you doing what you want to do? Yeah, I am actually. It's been a culmination of uh, 30 odd years of traditional career with corporates and other size companies around the world and it's got me to the point of being able to help various businesses in various scales and I like helping people basically. So yeah, I enjoy my day. Never a boring day. Always new new challenges and seeing people's businesses succeed. um, It's a great thrill. I watched your presentation of your history mm. and I was really impressed mm. with how, how many different varieties of mm. things that you've done. And you've lived not always here, you were overseas. So whereabouts did you reside? Well, so I'm uh, a POM. Um, sorry? I'm a POM. I said sorry. Sorry, ha ha. ha. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of funny. Um, very funny, guys. Um, so family came out in 2004 um, and but prior to that I did a lot of time in uh, when we lived in the UK to commute over to Holland uh, for about a year uh, for a period of time which I go out on a very early flight on a Monday and come back on a late flight on a Friday and that was hateful yeah. um, and then in times over in, here in New Zealand I had a job where I did a lot of international travel as well a lot of time in the Middle East a lot of time in America and Europe, um, very interesting, but I learned a long time ago that business travel is far from glorious. You know, uh, it still sounds good to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I always say any plane anywhere put me on it, but uh, I suppose after you've done a bit of it. Yeah, you, you get to the, you know, you, you get on the plane, you get to the other side, and normally it was long haul for me, so you go to your hotel, you get up in the morning, you go to the port, I used to do a lot of stuff in the ports, or old factories and things like that, and then you return that cycle, return that cycle, and go back home. And I knew I trained a lot when the air hostesses used to know me. Oh, and this yeah. is like the air hostess in Amman would know me. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I hitchhiked through the Middle East once, so I'll never forget it. Um, yeah. Syria and Jordan. It's a different yeah. planet, isn't it? Definitely. Question number three is the same question as I just asked, so I must need to turn over. Let's start this again. It says Too what? Too yeah. Uh, what was the last movie you went to and what did you think about it? It was 1917, yeah. oh, it was only a couple of weeks ago. Very good, very good film. It was because it, um, you never lose, you're constantly with the characters. Um, so there's not ever, the camera never pans away from them. So it's very absorbing. You're very much in the action. And it's quite tiring actually because you, you know, there's no scenic view, and then you come to the characters. You're with the characters as if you're on their shoulder, or in front of them the whole journey. It's very, very moving and very. Um, but the most 
be emotionally involved in film I've seen for a long time actually so I recommend it yeah and was it quite graphical was it well, yeah it was yeah. It, yeah. I mean it was yeah it was very graphical I don't know if you've been to, to Papa and you saw you know the exhibition yeah I missed it, it was, no. I heard it was brilliant that one. yeah it was excellent yeah. and some stuff there so I mean it was gory and that, so you've got the flavour of the time and the events uh, and by this absorbing way they filmed it which was quite a unique technique they used um, and you never left the character mm. um I remember one point I was like emotionally drained and it wasn't even the end, you know, but um, yeah, a great film. Great film. Mm. Yeah. I like Amy Wan. Submarine movies are my favourite. Um, the Hunt for the Red October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've watched nearly all of them that exist, but for some reason I have fascination with submarines. Yeah. I don't want to go on one personally, but I like watching them. All right, question number four. What was the most unusual thing you have ever eaten? Ah, good question. Well, I said I went to spend a lot of time in Europe when we lived in that in the Northern Hemisphere. So I've done snails and I've done frog legs. I went to Japan a few business trips. And I did some of the the squid and that sort of thing, but the raw stuff and that was yeah. interesting. But no, probably nothing. I went on a holiday before we lived over to Australia, and uh, our mission was to eat every native species we could so we went through kangaroos we went we probably didn't eat koala but we went alligators and we tried to eat every different indigenous species we could find wow um but no nothing since that actually i've just uh, gone vegan mm. <laughs> but i watched a documentary on netflix mm. called the game changers mm. and they were talking about in basically in the western world we can get away with not eating meat because there's enough choices for us to get our protein but they were saying actually kangaroo meat and deer meat were the best meats uh and they it was quite interesting um so it, lots of kangaroo meat on the road in australia mm-hmm. <laughs> i've just been over there yeah yeah so i haven't tried i have tried uh, obviously venison but i haven't tried um kangaroo meat but they said it's the best kangaroo not the worst one i'd I had ever was camel and that was disgusting <laughs> whether it's just a particular piece I had or what it was horrible but kangaroo was nice actually yeah. there you go alright that's question number four I must count them I'll probably lose count okay that's quite an easy one maybe for someone who's travelled a lot uh, what form of public transport do you prefer and it's giving you a choice but you can make them up you've got air boat train bus and car I don't know if car's public but it could be yeah. like Uber maybe um I guess an Uber taxi is quite nice in that you just, once you get in the cab, you don't have to worry about it. They're just going to take you there. You don't have to think about what station you've got to get off at. Or, so it's quite um, stress-free mm. in that regard. Um, over in New Zealand here, there isn't a train network or certainly not in um, around here particularly. Um, and I used to look quite a lot of trains in the UK. You can go anywhere by train and go mm. over the weekend. That was quite relatively was a nice experience, but it's different here. Um, and I've done a lot of flying by one, so I particularly enjoy it. It's, mm. it's a great way to get places quickly, but it's always nice. Depends who you sat next to and, mm. and you know, how comfy the seat is and that sort of thing. But yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, just, um, I was in China about five weeks ago, but the subway system was like, Mm. You know, and then I went to Bangladesh and they had no subway. Mm. <laughs> and it was like, oh, something major missing here. I think if they dig a hole for the subway in Bangladesh, it might flood because it's quite, yeah. <laughs> just saying. 
Excellent. All right. Um, okay. What did you, you got? Any? Um, what are your hobbies? Do you have any hobbies? Uh, and if you can't answer the question, because a lot of people have asked this question, you hesitate. And I always say, well, maybe when you were younger. Oh, when I was younger, I used to do uh, a lot of water sports. So I do um, sailing and windsurfing and scuba diving. When I was in college, I did a lot of scuba diving, and mm-hmm. that was good. I haven't really had a major hobby since then. I do different things, but it's not, I don't have a thing, mm. particularly. Not at the moment. Mm. Yeah. That's right. Don't need to. Oh, yeah, funny enough, windsurfing, the building that we're recording this podcast, and the guy used to hire out windsurfers, and I went out on one Monday and stood there and thought, this is stupid. <laughs> it wouldn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, yeah, so that was embarrassing. Yeah. Glad we didn't have cameras back then. Okay, if you were going to go back in time to change one thing, what would it be? Ooh. I don't know if there has to be a personal experience or a global changer. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't think I'd change anything about my own life. Um, you know, you have the good and the bad and it, it, all of that makes you who you are. And mm. I love history. Um, and so I would love to have met people like, particularly like Winston Churchill. Yeah. Um, just to, you know, his, his character and his... Have you got any favourite quotes of his? Oh, there's lots on there. Um, I read a lot of his books and books about him because I just, he resonates with me. He was far from a perfect man, mm. far from a perfect man, but he just kept on going, you know. So, mm. so when, when you're going through hell, keep going. Is one yeah, that, that's, that, that's yeah. Reso- yeah. It resonates with me. Um, and yeah, I, like yeah. his, I like his balance of humour, so he, he, he never really lost his sense of humour. He had so many quotes. Oh. Yeah. He, he was, I heard, uh, I, don't get, I probably won't get the story right, but he was doing a speech and this lady yelled out, you're drunk. And he said, you are ugly, but I shall be sober in the morning. That's true. And I thought, he must be witty. <laughs> yeah, he was brilliant. And that, yeah. I, I can't remember who that was. That was a famous um, female MP. Yeah, that's a true quote. There's some quotes attributed to him he didn't actually say, but I think that was a true mm. one, yeah. Yeah, you, uh, yeah, I've always wanted to create a quote that uh, a legacy to leave that got famous. So, uh, if you've ever tried, if you've got a something you live by, or uh, some sort of quote that you think of quite often when that you no, say I do, I, every now I come <laughs> up with ones which my wife laughs at me for like. Yeah. So then the recent ones I said to you the other day at the meeting is a, a penguin business. Yeah. Very cute, but it's never going to fly. Yeah, um, yeah. And so that's that's one I've started to use. Um, and I don't know where it came from, but it just made sense to me. Um, but no, not really. Yeah, no, the penguin one is good. I've, uh, I don't want to use it because I think it's copyrighted to Union. Okay, here you go, Superman. Um, if you, uh, what superpower would you like to have? Oh, flying, I think. Flying. Yeah. Oh, this is Superman. Then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, to get to get places quickly, um, freedom. You obviously never saw the greatest American hero fly then. No, he always crashed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, cool. All right. Um, 
where in the world would you travel to next? So you've done a bit of traveling. So these questions are these are totally random, by yeah, the way. Yeah. So it's just I like oh, sort of place I haven't been or haven't been to an extent. I'd I'd like to go to South America because um, it's a place that fascinates me. Mm-hmm. I spent I said traveled to America for business, and we, my wife and I, did our twenty fifth wedding anniversary and on the basically the west coast in Texas and that mm-hmm. was cool but I'd like to go to the east coast because um, again I like the history and there's lots of modern history mm. that's happened there and I, quite, quite like to, I like going to see the different sites and things like that and when we went before so I read a whole lot of books about Kennedy and his assassination and no, yeah. lots of books about Lincoln and the Civil War so it was quite fascinating to go to some of those places with that knowledge and say oh wow I'm standing here where this happened well, yeah. so that was quite cool um, probably yeah probably South America um, um, and then yeah probably I, and I, I've got a very soft spot for Italy in mm. Europe I used to go there quite a few times in Rome and that but it's a fascinating place where mm. you know you still got these ruins are very much part of the day to day life over there yeah and like taken for granted um they're thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. Yeah, know? it makes New Zealand look pretty new. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they talk about history here, and it's like, uh. yeah. So I often said when we came out here, I used to say that. So, New Zealand has limited structural history, mm-hmm. like architecture and buildings, but it has fabulous um, natural history, of course. Mm. Um, and even when in the UK, you go to Scotland Highlands, which were lovely. New Zealand is so much more. It's like the Highlands and steroids. Mm. But you don't have in the same the castles and the historic buildings. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the indigenous histories is different and you know, mm. you don't have those physical structures so much. You You've have got a few castle. castle. Yeah. Yeah. I just went to India and um finished up at the Taj Mahal yeah. and you know, all the places I've travelled and that there was just breathtaking, you know, but yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine um, getting up in the Southern Alps and finding a castle like that hidden no. in New Zealand. Okay, so we've got a couple more here. What's the most important lesson you've learned in the last 12 months? You've just built a house. Mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, that um, One of the lessons is that living with my in-laws is a challenge. Don't forget they could be listening to this. No, they're all good as, all good as gold. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I think one of the challenges I've learned, and both myself and with my clients, is to, I think it's somebody else's quote, it's like, um, feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, I've, worked, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of different sizes and scales of businesses, and there's some common themes and phases in business I've learned. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a going the startup phase is a challenge in itself and having the mm. the courage to, to do it. But then I think the next biggest challenge is when you're doing too much and you know you can't really go backwards and you've got to go forward. But going forward, you can't go forward on your own. Mm. So the first time you know you've got to get help, mm. or, you know, staff or outsourcing, whatever it takes. Mm. And that's a really scary time. And that for many people I work with, that's more scary than the startup because... They've gone through startup, they've they've built their business and they're used to it and they trust everything because they're doing everything. Mm. Um, and it's just but it's snowballing, you can't stop this train, it's 
carry yeah. on and it's to guide them through that next step which is like a big it's kind of a leap of well it is a leap of faith mm. but of all the people I've taken through that stage including myself um, I never regret it mm. yeah it's interesting that fear word yeah. people fear fear can be an adrenaline uh, but yeah. it can also be a, a limiting factor if people don't move because they're yeah. freaking out too much mm. business is hard work Oh, definitely, it's and it's it's, it's very it's a it's, it's a roller coaster, isn't it? So it's very rewarding. It's very scary at times, mm. and sometimes you've got to put it in its place. You know, it's not it doesn't define you. It's a big part of your life, and it's a big enabler to your lifestyle and things like that. But mm. it's not everything, mm. um, and, and some people lose sight of that, mm. um, and I think they lose sight of themselves sometimes when that happens. Um, maybe that's an wisdom with age thing I don't know but um, have you um, like you've worked for yourself and worked for other people have you worked in uh, England mm. for yourself no not for myself right yeah so I used to work for a big corporate so um, Xerox or Fuji Xerox as it's known over here so I was there for 14 15 years I think and prior to that um, a food manufacturing mm. company so um, very structured very corporate mm. it's a great training ground but I um, can't ever imagine going back to that now. Because I always wondered, like, I do a bit of online shopping, for example, and I'm always selling to New Zealanders. With my expertise, I'm quite savvy, and I always thought that I might have been missing an opportunity because I'm not in a country with a population, and I'm wondering if it's 10 times harder when you're working with a massive population versus, like, New Zealand with our 5 million people to sell to, you know what I mean? Like, I think it is harder, probably. Um, you have, especially in Christchurch, for example, you have the ability to be known mm. and to get a reputation, hopefully a good one, um, mm. and just to know people in general. Uh, whereas in the UK, it's so anonymous. You're never mm. going to see the same person twice, mm. um, typically. Um, you, it's, you always have to move for getting a new job and things like that. So yeah, on balance, I think both the lifestyle and the opportunities are better in a mm. smaller country. Mm, that's good to know, because I quite like living here. Mm. <laughs> uh, what do you do to keep fit, Matt? I have um, a personal trainer, and I've been seeing for 14 years. We were discussing this this morning, because wow. it was Thursdays, Tuesdays and Thursdays, when we see her. She's, um, she's as, as happens, how I got to know her, she's the mum of my youngest son's best mate. That's how we originally met, and then... We worked out the other day, it's been 14 years mm-hmm. that we've been going together, so we've got a great relationship, so I do that. do a little bit swimming when I want to. Uh, I used to do quite a bit of running, I've done that for a while, I'd like to get back into that. But mm. yeah. Mm. And if you were uh, giving some person advice and they're in business, do you divvy up t- uh, personal development, fitness and time working, or do you have a, like, uh, would you say fitness or exercise is a an important part of business yeah definitely i think the it makes you your mental and physical fitness and you don't have to be an athlete but um get makes you more resilient and you can Mm. go with the why i think makes your brain more active Mm. um and to use a resilient to changes or the need to think quickly Mm. One thing I think was a common thread, and I was thinking about this the other day, is so I have a personal trainer, and it's because I have a personal trainer, it's the reason I get 
out of bed on a Tuesday and Thursday and take myself to the gym and I do that and when I go to the gym I make huge strides because I've got someone who's pushing me guiding me telling me but what to do but also keeping me safe mm-hmm. so I use that I thought the other day the analogy is the same with me with my clients because by then knowing I'm going to see them weekly or whenever frequency we may meet I mm-hmm. hold them accountable so then mm-hmm. I'm just going to ask how did it go did you do this um, I'm going to guide them I'm going to keep them safe and that, so it's actually the same analogy so one is um, looking after the body um, in a, you know, as a personal trainer would and I look mm-hmm. after the business and I guess a bit of the general well-being as well by guiding through and holding their hand or mm. encouraging them as needs be. So yeah, mm. very similar. That's quite funny. I did have somebody at our meeting this morning at seven thirty say that they're going to stop drinking for three months, and I said, "Oh, that's good." And um, they were sparky, and I said, "Oh, that's cool." I said, "And." Uh, he said, but for two days I'm going to drink because he's got a special occasion. And I said, okay. And I said, so what, he didn't, it was quite interesting. I said, so what happens if you start drinking? Is there a penalty? Uh, so I said I'd give him a hundred bucks if um, if he makes it to the three months without drinking. And it's quite funny, but uh, I think, you know, you need some sort of accountability. Otherwise, what's I don't know the saying, but if it's, doesn't if you don't have a, a plan, then it's just an idea. Yes. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I think, and, yeah. And how do, you, how do you measure success? How do you keep going? And I think the main thing is if you left your own devices, and I'm equally guilty of this, that you get stuck into the day-to-day and you don't actually do the biggest picture thing to take your business forward, you just get mm. sucked into the day-to-day. You're used to doing that job or that type of skill or that side of product, and you just do more and more and more of the same. And mm. then... Of course, the world's changing around you, and then you're not you're not ready for the changes. Yeah. So I think somebody just saying, "Oi, you! What about that? Yeah. Um, don't you think you should be worrying about that, or don't you think you're taking that opportunity is healthy in any in any any business?" Hmm. I reckon. Well, right, two more. I'm enjoying the chat. It's what's the most unusual thing you've ever eaten, and we've just done that, haven't we? Mm. So I must have put that behind. Um, okay, then. How's this one? I like this one. How do you view your competitors? I'm interesting because I've, I've got to that stage and I, I'm not, I don't call them competitors because I'm quite comfortable in who I am mm-hmm. and therefore if people, you know, given the chance to meet people and if they don't want to work with me or they work with someone else, that's okay. Mm. I'm not offended by that mm. um, and I'd rather have, you know, what's that expression, you know, um, one winning guy against 10 press men or whatever, you know, you, it's better to have that person really wants to work with you. Mm. Um, that said, I think some of my competitors that I'm aware of, and it's it's not that they're good or bad, it's the difference. So I very much freestyle. So I listen to my clients, I get to know what their challenges are, what their way they tick, and then I'll craft something that's going to suit them and we won't... If need, if we need to go off on diversions because an issue has come up of the day, and I need help with that. Mm. Deal with that. Some of the other my competitors, they have templates and they have plans, and they won't deviate from a process. Mm. It's very formulaic. It's very franchise, often if you like. Mm. Um, and a lot of people have come to me from those environments, and I haven't worked for them because mm. they said, oh, this guy wants me to do this plan because I've got to do the plan. Well, actually, I had a problem with this issue and he didn't really want to talk about it. Mm. Um, and I think the other thing is a lot of consultants or business coaches will just 
tell people what to do or what not to do mm. I'll actually I will do that too but if, if I have the skill and expertise and they wish me to I'll actually do it for them so mm. maybe you know, maybe an HR matter for example uh, hiring and firing and it may be a thing that needs to be done um, so rather than saying yes it needs to be done I say I need to be done and do you want me to help you do it mm. or, or you know more pleasant things like branding and marketing or a lot of my stuff is finding other people to people to work with so I have a good connection of people with different skills so I know what I'm good at I also know what I'm not good at but mm. I can normally know someone I put my hands on someone and say well go and talk to that person that's the right person yeah. whereas some of the some of the more bigger company franchises will try and keep everything in house and mm. try and whether they're good at it or not yeah, yeah no I get that yeah I've got a thing I'm not really I had uh, at one stage of the late six we had uh we had 12 meetings and 14 business coaches mm. and none of them were the same mm. uh, but they were often it was um, it was really unusual I, th- I honestly believe it's all about the relationship with whoever and it's kind of like you say you've said to me before you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink so I, I'm assuming a business coach is there to support you and to guide you but at the end of the day you're the one that's got to drink you know, and it's um. So I think it really is about relationships. I mean, I've been known you for maybe eight months, probably. Oh, a year now. Yeah. I think it's almost exactly a year, actually. Oh, is it? Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. So and it's been good. Um, mm. and um, we've got a good relationship. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, so it's um, but I think um, business to me, often I talk about like baking a cake, and it's not as simple as baking a cake where you have a recipe because there's so many different variables that come along with business. You might be baking a cake and it's got no flour today. Mm. <laughs> and, never, you know, and there's always a good reason for it, but then you have to make do. And yeah, so I think that's where I, I've seen you help people, mm. but I see that every situation is different. Mm. And people who don't really care often will give advice and not know the whole ingredients behind yeah. it. And yeah. yeah. Um, one size does not fit all. Mm. And you have to customize it to get the best results. And, um, and I think if you don't, People who don't listen enough to their clients to and really listen to their clients, what they want to achieve, and not try and just steer them towards um, what you want to do because that's your sales target or whatever, mm. um, it's just not the right thing to do. Cool. Well, that was the 12 questions, but before we started, I gave you a warm-up question, and I always like to ask the warm-up question again. Radio. If money was not an object, what would you do all day long? If money was not an object, I'd probably have a few nice toys, as I said, just to keep interesting. Um, but actually, I like helping people. So if I could do more of what I do for free, um, and maybe I might be more selective in who I worked with. Mm-hmm. So I know people who really want to, you know, really want it, and I think I can make the best of it. But I quite enjoy doing what I'm doing. I don't necessarily consider it a job, you know. It's, mm. um, yeah. yeah. I think that's cool. I think that's when you get people who should be working for themselves where they, um, when you don't feel like it's a job, yeah, you've got the right business, you're doing the right yes. thing yeah. and, and that's easier than that. Just got to make it make money <laughs> to yeah, pay yeah. your overheads. You that's know? right. Yeah. That's right. Right. So if um, I would like, to, I'll give you a minute, you can tell people um, who you are and what you actually do. If people haven't figured it out already. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm actually a pole dancer. Oh, actually, I help I people. Just have a mental image of that. Yeah, yeah, I help people. Yeah. I think the greasy pole of business. 
So no, so my name is Matt Jones. Uh, my wife and I, Belinda, have a small practice in Rangiora in North Canterbury. So uh, Belinda does more traditional bookkeeping and accountancy, whereas I do business coaching, business consultancy. So that entails maybe helping with some of the particular problem or, or phase in their business, or maybe a longer term relationship where I mentor them from maybe start up through to ongoing. And there's some clients I've now been working with for into my third year now and we see each other twice a week and I'm kind of embedded in their business mm. as part of their business. So we've gone through the challenges of setting up and going through. So I offer a range of guidance and support. Um, I also do stuff for my my clients because sometimes we identify a need mm. um, and it may not be their skill or their interest in doing that need and I can step into that role for them or find someone else who can do that. Um, yeah, I just like seeing people succeed. It's scary in business, especially when you start on your own, to saying somebody mm. else to um, give you some guidance and kick up the bum sometimes or slap around the face. <laughs> um, um, metaphorically speaking, it's it's good. Yeah, I, I, I'm very fond of my clients. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I can see your passion. I can see you, you sincerely want to help people and it makes a huge difference. And one lady I'm thinking of that you've helped lately, I can certainly see a dramatic ch- change. Uh, also, got one, I can see through the window behind me you've been helping as well, so it's really cool. It's a pleasure to have you on Elite Six, so it's been nice having you on the podcast today. Um, if you want to find Matt's details, you can go to elite6.co.nz and just search for the keyword Matt and you'll find his details. And if you are a small to medium sized business or any size really, I'm sure it might make a big difference. So thank you for coming along. Any, uh, you can have the last words if you like. Oh, thank you, Danny. I, uh, I enjoy Elite Six a lot and I'm very glad I joined it. And I think, um, like anything, you get what you put in. So um, I think there's a lot to be gained from Elite Six. Um, mm. And not and not just in a business context but in a friendship context too so yeah. it's good yeah. thank you very much I'll put you on the payroll it's not a big payroll alright cheers cheers